Dame Julian of Norwich, contemplative, anchorite, voice of God to sojourners of faith, bearer of the paschal mystery of Christ. At the point of love, at the center of crucifixion, mystic, prophet, priest. Dame Julian takes us to the heart of cross and resurrection that we may, in the words of the epistle to the Hebrews, in boldness and confidence enter the sanctuary by the blood of Jesus. What better witness to bear us in our lives and in members as, in, as members in Christ? In boldness and confidence enter the sanctuary by the blood of Jesus. Or I would say simply, Christian faith can only be claimed and passed on by a journey that leads to the experience and understanding of what is meant by resurrection and life in God. And this journey must mean how we move in the suffering and in suffering, the injustice of suffering, to a life made whole, to a life redeemed. This must mean how we move from suffering and injustice that fragments life, that preoccupies and captures our attention in fear and in anger, escape or in battle, and how we move into new life where we are reconciled and live in peace, at peace. Such is Christian faith. And such is Christian life. As Jeremy Taylor and Anglican divines have said, Christian faith is all for practice. Theology is rather a divine life than a divine knowledge. Such is Dame Julian's witness. All the more so as she describes how love and the knowledge of God is given in her journey into suffering. Julian's witness is for our time. Her time long ago is our time. The fourth century in England and in Europe saw wheat shortages. This was the time of the Great Plague, the Black Plague, which killed between 30 and 60% of the people in Europe. It reduced the total population of 450 million people by as much as 100 million people. In the chaos, the 14th century was a time of oppressive order, keeping everyone in their place. And it was a time of uprisings, of the peasant uprisings. In, seven, in 1373, Julian, age 30, was sickened in bed with fever. She expected to die but seemingly miraculously recovered. In the midst of her suffering, Julian asked for three graces. The first was the vivid perception of Christ's passion. The second was bodily sickness. And the third was for God to give her three wounds. The visions came. She wrote them down in a short text for her own sake. And then as a solitary anchorite in a cell attached to St. Julian Church, which is where she gets her name, 
She meditated on these visions for the next 15 years. Then she wrote down her long text of what has been titled showings or revelations of divine love. Julian's journey into God is to journey with Christ and in Christ, to feel in her body dying into life into God. This is what is proclaimed in our readings from Hebrews today. That is what we say in our celebration of the Eucharist. And this is what we long for, dying into life in God. If we forget the suffering that surrounds us in the plagues of our times, in failed states that send refugees across the world looking in vain for those who would welcome them, in tribalism of race and places that divide, in oligarchies and kleptocracies that enslave, in ecosystems that collapse and destroy, if we turn our heads, our faith is in vain. We die into God and live unto ourselves. And there is no health, literally wholeness. There is no health in us. Julian spoke of herself as illiterate, probably in not speaking and writing in Latin, the language of those who rule. Julian spoke little of the Trinity. God's power and wisdom were, in the face of evil, beyond comprehension. Instead, she meditated on Christ as Savior, on love that gave life and bearing suffering. Her meditations were not given in the mind apart from the body. Suffering in her own body like an athlete training, denying pleasures, simplifying life, she sought to live into suffering that she might live into the love that Christ bore in his suffering. But if we instead focus above all on the grand scheme of things, if we focus above all on principalities and powers, we focus on the effects of wickedness of violence, of accident, and illness. In this, we stretch our souls out in time and seek to make sense of time. We do a calculus to seeking to make sense of suffering. We seek to square the circle that would make suffering fair, equitable, and not arbitrary. We seek to make sense of suffering given the place and time of birth and life, of given the chances of the lotteries of life, of the lottery of genes that are passed on from one generation to the next. But Julian's meditation on Christ's passion, on our suffering and our life into God, is of a different order. Instead of making sense of time and meditating on the wounds of Christ, she writes, I saw God in an instant, in a point. That is my understanding, and in seeing this, I saw that he is everything. Point, P-O-Y-N-T-E, is in fourth century England, means a point of space, a point of time. 
The point of seeing that allows Julian's insight is her focus on the cross as an extravagant gift that situates every space and every moment. To bear suffering in love is to love without forethought and without afterthought. This is the love that comforts the newborn child, dances with children, cares for the sick, stays with the dying. This is the love of God that is the love of the Good Samaritan and the father of the prodigal son. This is the love that gives thanks to love received and returns love in giving thanks. This is love incarnate, living in the flesh, embodied, freed from the bondage of the mind. Here, as elsewhere in these short reflections, Amy Laura Hall, who teaches theology and ethics at Duke Divinity School, has been most helpful in her recent book, Laughing at the Devil, Seeing the World with Julian of Norwich. She begins her book with the quote from chapter 13 of the long text. I saw our Lord scorn the devil's wickedness and set him at naught. And he wants us to do the same. At this revelation, I laughed heartily, and that made those who were around me laugh too. And their laughter pleased me. I wished that my fellow Christians had seen what I saw, and then they would all have laughed with me. But I did not see Christ laughing. Nevertheless, it pleases him that we should laugh to cheer ourselves and rejoice in God because the fiend has been conquered. Scorn the devil? Laugh in the midst of evil? Sing that the fiend has been conquered? As Amy Hall reflects on her own life, in Christ, in his suffering and love, knowing her life, Dame Julian lost her fear, found her voice, opened herself. Or we should say, in love her fear was conquered, her voice was given, herself was drawn out. This is given in what is inseparable, suffering and love. This is known only in time, in the journey of cross and resurrection. This is given in the remembrance of Christ. Do this in remembrance of me, in thought, in mind, in act, in worship, in Eucharist, in life together. This is the power of prayer, not as intervention in what has happened or what will happen, but in revealing God in time, in seeing, in hearing, in knowing God in an instant, in a point beyond time that grounds time. Again, the reading from the letter to the Hebrews for today gives voice to this acclamation of faith. In boldness and confidence entered the sanctuary by the blood of Jesus by the new and living way that he opened for us through the church, that is, through his flesh. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who has promised is faithful. 
and let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together, but encouraging one another. It is then, and only then, that Dame Julian can say, all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be exceedingly well. Such is love born of suffering. Such is the acclamation of faith given in love. Such is the resurrection that we proclaim. Amen. <laughs>